You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 116. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We have a packed show for you this week. We start by looking at Thursday's sell-off on the heels of record highs for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. In our Ask Us Anything segment, we answer a listener question on how to use CDAR, a useful but awkward tool for looking at all documents filed by every public company in Canada. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we start by taking a listener question on Canadian small cap dividend payer, Pivot Technology Solutions, symbol PTG on the TSX. Pivot is an IT or information technology infrastructure and service provider. The listener asks us whether its high 8.5% dividend is sustainable if and if Pivot passes Keystone's growth and value criteria. Finally, after our appeal for questions on gold-related growth and value stocks, we've been flooded with listener questions and suggestions for stocks. We put together a quick segment on some of the more frequently submitted gold names, including Sandstorm Royalties, Premier Gold Mines, and Rocks Gold. So we'll take a look at those on the show today. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Mr. Aaron Dunn and uh, Brennan. How are you doing? Good. Can't complain. Yeah, good. So you've, uh, Ron, you've been taking in some presentations and meetings at the LD Micro Conference, uh, normally yes. in Los Angeles, but obviously normally, you're not down there normally right now. we'd be visiting with management teams uh, in uh, LA at this event we've done every year for four or five years now. Um, but we're doing it online. Uh, there's been some little bit of difficulties at the conference a little bit of audio difficulties but uh for example on our first day of the conference on uh tuesday we were able to interview nine individual management teams and watch about 10 presentations we've been doing that daily and we'll do that till uh, uh friday of this week so it's a busy week we're we got some time in between some of the interviews and some of the presentations we're watching. There's about 360 companies at that conference. For our clients, we are going to come out with a uh, special report on that conference, uh, get our findings, and roughly look at about uh, 20 names that we've whittled down from the 360 names that are there and uh, give our current ratings on those companies. So look for that report in the near term. But yeah, it's an interesting event, different doing it online. But, uh, you know, we're still talking to these management teams, some of them that we know very well, some of them that we're just getting to know, get, you know, having a 20, 20, 30 minute chat and uh, watching a 30 minute presentation from many of these, just doing our due diligence on all these companies, see if there is some value there. And so those 20 companies, these are the companies that just passed essentially the very, the very minimum level of our criteria. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and there's there's some companies there that are already in our coverage, like Expel is there, uh, Sangoma is there, so they are passing, you know, all our criteria at this point, and we just touch base with management. But there's definitely of that list, you know, 15 new names really that we're looking. And trying to look a little closer at right now names that we've been monitoring some names that we've seen at this event or just talked to management in the past and get a better feel of their growth prospects going forward how they navigated through COVID-19 and uh, you know what their valuations are right now generally valuations are higher but you know there are some real select situations that uh, still offer some value and we're looking at those right now. And of course, the other 280 companies that we won't be interviewing or writing anything on, those are the companies that we looked at, but they don't pass our criteria. So that just shows how stringent yeah. it is. The vast majority of the companies don't come anywhere close to to passing our criteria. And even the the small selection of those that do, I mean, we really, we really need to drill down to ensure that that profitability and growth is sustainable and that investors aren't overpaying. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a great point. Um, you know, and those companies, uh, the vast majority of them don't meet our criteria for a conference like this to even have 20 to 25 names that we're looking close at. That's actually a, a high level of names. Cause you know, we can go through 300 names and often find maybe three that would pass our initial criteria. So, you know, having, you know, 20 or 30 names that we can dig into a little more is actually, you know, a, a decent event. It's a great. It 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 offers us the ability to you know interview those management teams quickly. So that that's why we're here. And uh, you know, there's there's been companies that we've interviewed here in the past that have done tremendously well over the past three years. Zynex uh, is one name. Tremendous gains uh, over a thousand percent. Expel. Uh, almost 2,000% uh, in the last three years. So, I mean, those are best, 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 best case scenarios. But, you know, teams that we've been able to talk at at this conference and uh, and get a better feel for their growth prospects in the present and going forward. So it is good to do these events, very busy, different that we're not sitting in front of them right now, but, you know, you have to adjust. Now, I thought we'd pick up our discussion uh, this week at the start with, uh, you know, from where we talked last week, our, our discussion talking point was, is the stock market showcasing economic reality? This is a question that last week we answered no to, essentially. Now, the markets began this week with a bang. Both the S&P 500 and NASDAQ entered uh, the regular sessions on Wednesday at their highest ever closing levels. They closed the segments. Now the Dow spiked to over 29,000 for the first time since February and came within 500 points of its all-time record high. However, today by Thursday midday, uh, when we're recording this, the the, the Dow had dropped, uh, I believe, 800 points or 2.85%. And the tech-heavy NASDAQ composite, which had rallied off the late February lows faced a sharper decline of roughly 5%. Some of the strongest performers in the recent months were off considerably, uh, including Amazon down 5%, Apple down 7%, Microsoft 5%, Tesla 7 to 8% now, I believe, uh, Zoom 11 12%, Square 7 or 8%, just to name a few. Now, given the run-up in these names, the one-day declines really amount to plucking a couple hairs from a hearty playoff beard. But the reversal is somewhat notable. 
Uh, there was no specific negative catalyst for the drop. For me, it all comes down to valuations. A pullback or sell-off is completely understandable and in some cases warranted. Uh, the NASDAQ has advanced violently since March, and many names are at absurd valuations, to be frank. For example, Tesla is a great company. It recently broke into profitability, but the business trades at roughly a thousand times its earnings over the last 12 months. Now, the average PE on the S&P 500 is in the range of 18 to 20. That is a massive premium for Tesla. Now, Tesla has good growth, but I think many listeners would be shocked to know that the company's revenues only grew 14.5% last year. Again, decent growth, but by no means great or meteoric growth that we're seeing from the business. From a big picture overall, big picture research perspective, we find great growth businesses daily, but few trading at reasonable prices right now. We find more priced almost to perfection than not right at this present time. So historical valuations coupled with weakness on Main Street are the busy, biggest reasons really for a sell-off or correction at present. Uh, stocks don't go up in a straight line, period, and you shouldn't expect them to. No, the valuations, I've, I've been reviewing some of our, our U.S. recommendations, many of which have been in the technology space, some, some, real, some really heavy hitters in the technology space. And looking at valuations, there's been substantial increase um, post-pandemic. Post I mean, valuations are well above what they were before the pandemic started. Um, just as an example, EPAM Systems, which was a company that we recommended, uh, about two years ago, a little less than two years ago, at 120, trading now at over 300 dollars. When we recommended it, uh, it was it had a valuation of about 28 times earnings. Today, that valuation has uh, doubled essentially to about 55 times earnings. And while it's a fantastic company long term, the growth in the last quarter, about 14 percent in revenue and earnings per share, that that's good growth, but. Uh, I don't know if it, if it justifies a, a 55 plus uh, multiple on the stock, um, especially when the near term outlook, the very near term outlook is uncertain. It's not like they're saying that they're going to benefit near term from COVID like a lot of other companies are. Um, Microsoft, another one, when we recommended about just under 30 times earnings, about 26 times earnings, now upwards about 40 times earnings on a trailing basis. So you know, is is that a bubble like the like the tech boom uh, in the late '90s? No, but I mean, these are solid companies that are generating earnings and growth, and I, I expect them to continue. But you have to ask yourself why such a jump in valuation levels just over the past, say, six months, nine months, um, with all of the uncertainty that we're facing right now. And to me, it really it, it comes down to interest rates. It comes down to a quantitative easing and, and expansion and of the lack money of supply. options right exactly yeah and and that's that's not a sustainable it's no. not sustainable growth so it doesn't surprise me to see the markets come back here now they may just turn around and start charging forward again tomorrow or next week it's it's really impossible to say but once you have valuations at such elevated levels the risk of there being some major pullbacks uh yeah. becomes higher I would expect volatility without a doubt. I mean, you're going to have those, you're going to have drops, you're going to have moves forward uh, because of the fact that, you know, valuations have got to premium levels for sure. The, I mean, you talked about EPAM, you talked about Microsoft. Compared to Tesla, they look cheap 
as all heck, right? But I mean, you know, you got to compare them to historic norms and uh, and where you've seen, you know, where you've seen these businesses in the past. You know, they are at the higher end of their valuation scale historically. And when you have many companies at the higher end of their uh, historical valuation levels, uh, if there is any hiccup, uh, then you, you can see a correction. You know, these are still great businesses that we'd like to own long term. Uh, are they really cheap right now? No, not when you've seen you know like, tremendous gains. And again, we're talking about those pre- uh, uh, those premium valuations. There are certain businesses though that you still certainly want to own over the long term. And we are not looking right now when we own those businesses what they're going to do for a month or two or three months out. We're going to look what they're going to do over three to five years and whether we want to own them here for that period. Now, uh, we can go and get into a question from our Ask Us Anything segment on CDAR. Uh, Terry asks us, any chance of explaining how to use the CDAR website? It is very difficult to use uh, that site for the average person. Well, it's a great question, Terry. Uh, CDAR can be tough to navigate and is set up generally terribly for the average investor. In fact, we answered a question on this in video format in our June DIY Investor Seminar. Uh, You can access the full version, uh, which details how to look at any hot stock tip you may receive and categorize it as either pure speculation or potentially investment worthy by using CDAR. But I'm going to give you the Coles Notes version today of how to use CDAR, how to navigate through that. First off, for those that don't know, and, and we excuse you, you, you shouldn't really know what CDAR is. What is CDAR or S-E-D-A-R? It is the System for Electronic Document Analysis and Retrieval. You can see why we needed an acronym for this. Um, CDAR is a mandatory document filing and retrieval system for Canadian public companies or stocks. Uh, it is administered by the Canadian Securities Administrators, a coordinating body comprised of 13 Canadian provincial and territorial securities commissions. It is operated on those on behalf of these institutions by the Alberta Securities Commission, and it has been since 2014. Filing with CDAR started on January 1st, 1997. Today, all Canadian public companies are required to file their documents into the CDAR system. Here on CDAR, what do you find? You find all companies' annual and quarterly statements, institutional holdings, and many other forms they have to file. So how do you navigate it? Well, you can find CDAR at www.cedar.com. Just Google CDAR. This will bring you to the site's homepage. And Terry, you are correct. It is ugly as sin and about as easy to navigate as a Costco on a Saturday, but it'll have to do for our purposes. Now, click to start off, click on the search database link and navigate to the search company documents link. Click that. Now, if you're armed with the name of a stock you are seeking information on, type it into the company name field then hit search. Here you you will find documents on the company you search for. Now the layout gets a little bit silly here. To find the company's latest or most recent documents, you need to click on the linked company names, one of those linked company names under the company name heading, uh, and you are brought to another uh, page with the address and contact info for this individual stock you're looking up. Here you click on the view public companies or view companies documents link 
and it'll bring up the latest documents in order. Now we would suggest clicking and reading the latest quarterly MDNA or management discussion and analysis document for the latest quarterly info. You can also look at the latest interim financial statements report for a quick look at the income statement, the cash flow statement, and the balance sheet. You'll also find all press releases here uh, and for some bedtime reading, because it will likely put you to sleep, you can check out the uh, latest annual report. And I hope that helps you navigate CDAR, a useful but very awkward tool for looking at all documents filed by every public company in Canada. Well, I, I have some fairly sharp comments about CDAR. Um, disappointing, in fact, just on the note of it being difficult to, to navigate, difficult to use. I've been in the in the financial sector for doing research for about fifteen years now, and I can tell you that that Hasn't website has not changed in fifteen years. There has been zero improvement to the website over that period of time. It's extremely basic. The only uh, format that you can download documents in is PDF, which PDF uh, is is not a, a computer readable um, document type. I mean, there are ways that you can you can have a computer read it, but it's it's not reliable. Um, PDF is, is not a good format for that. Whereas if you were to go down to the United States or just look at the US equivalent, which is Edgar, uh, that site has multiple types, document types that you can download. You can download uh, financial statements as text files or as um, XML, which is a computer readable format. And it just makes, I believe it, it, it helps to make the market more efficient because you're able to access the information more efficiently. You're able to use computation in order to, uh, in order to break the numbers down and organize them um, and present them so you don't have to do that manually. Uh, I, just, I just think that SEDAR uh, really needs to modernize its operation. That's actually something we should probably contact them about ourselves. I've never actually contacted them myself. Maybe I should and just and just just basically lay out just like listen, you're 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 operating 20 years behind the other major markets around the yeah. world with no sign as far as I know that they're they're planning on doing that so we could changing that so we could have this conversation again in tw 10 to 20 years and they'll be 40 years behind. Um they really need I mean, to uh, get into the I think that age. site is still backed up on tape somewhere. I mean, honestly, it looks it like looks that. Like it looks like it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's it, pretty it, pathetic. Yeah, you can use the internet wayback machine and it hasn't changed in two decades. It's unbelievable. In the in the US, they try to make it like you're saying uh, to access the info on these companies as easy as possible. Uh, and the opposite is true in Canada. I you know, you see that in a number of things. I, it makes no sense, but uh, you can still use it. Hopefully, the way I guided you through that will help you use that. Again, we have that video. Uh, if you want to just purchase our um, our June, I believe, seminar, it talks about if you get that hot stock tip, bring it to CDR. You can find out whether or not a company is investment worthy or just pure speculation. It's not the easiest site to use, but that video there will guide you through on how to use it and get that information. It is once you get that information, you know it is good information, but you know getting to it can be for the lay investor, I'm sure it looks just Greek to them when they access that site. I mean, there's many things on there that could be changed. And yeah, I think it is worth a call to be honest, Aaron. Uh, now, let's get into our your stock our take segment. It's time we answer a question on your stock. In a little segment we like to call Your Stock, 
Arte. Buy, sell, or hold. Um, Aaron's going to take a question that came in from Polly via email on Pivot Technology Solutions, PTG on the TSX. Take it away, Aaron. Sure. So I'll read Polly's question. He said, I'm looking for value in, te- in the technology sector and came across Pivot Technology, which currently has an 8.5% dividend yield. Is the dividend sustainable and does Pivot pass your growth and value criteria? So we'll take a look at the company here for Polly and for our, our other listeners. Uh, the company Pivot Technology Solutions. It trades under the symbol PTG on the TSX Toronto Stock Exchange. Currently trading at about $1.90, and it's a $73 million market cap company. So what does the company do? Pivot is an IT information technology infrastructure and service provider. The company states that it designs, builds, and services complex IT systems for companies of all sizes. Pivot has several subsidiaries, but most of the company's business is done through a subsidiary called Process which sells storage server and IT infrastructure consulting solutions to enterprises. Clients include government, education, and healthcare providers, and most of the business is conducted in the United States. Pivot is unique given the fact that it is one of only about six technology stocks on the Toronto Stock Exchange that pays a dividend. As the listener stated, the dividend yield is high. This also makes pivot the the technology stock with the highest yield in Canada. So as far as we can tell, the highest yield technology company in Canada. However, I will caution people before they get too excited. We have reviewed pivot many times over the years, and unfortunately, the company comes far from meeting our rigorous financial tests for investability. One of the things that is important to understand about the technology sector is that there is a big difference between a proprietary software company and a hardware company. When we think about consistent double-digit growth, high margins, high valuations, we are generally thinking about software stocks. Hardware stocks, on the other hand, are much more likely to have higher costs inherent in the business, which means lower margins, lower and less stable growth, and also higher levels of debt. Pivot operates in in the hardware and IT services side of the technology sector, And one of the first things that we're going to note about the company is that it is a very, very low margin business. Operating margins for this company are about 1%. That is tiny. Just to contrast, operating margins for other tech stocks that we cover, like Microsoft, are more in the range of 35 to 40%. That's a massive difference, and a 1% operating margin is extremely low for any industry. Pivot's revenue has been in decline for the last few years and operating income has been very volatile. In the most recent quarter, Q2 2020, revenue was down 28% and operating income declined 65%. The company also has about $180 million in debt to service, which is more than twice the current market value of the company. So the listener asked if we had confidence in the sustainability of the dividend and if the company passed our financial tests for growth and value. The answer on both questions is no. Extremely low margins, volatile financial performance, and high debt place this com- make this company very risky in our opinion, and we would not recommend the stock to investors. 
Yeah, margins are key. I mean, you need your bottom line to be growing, of course. Uh, as much revenue as you can come by, it doesn't really mean much if you have zero zero margins. Uh, one company that we actually came across in uh, the LD Micro Conference, uh, we ended up seeing their revenues absolutely explode. Uh, but the main reason uh, for this explosion in revenues was because they were doing a very, very low margin uh, side of their business, which was part of the U.S., uh, 2020 census and you know that just isn't going to drive your your stock price going forward no you need to have some margin for sure and and you know that company we you know we watched the presentation sat down with management and you know the there's tremendous revenue growth but the revenues you know are bringing a very very small margin to the bottom line so you know you need to see some level of margin there to actually have a profitable business going forward. It's funny because, you know, we've reviewed Pivot many times, you know, the dividend that they instituted over the last several years, you know, it does look attractive. Uh, I remember back to when it was a growth by acquisition story uh, that has come full circle. They levered up the business. There was tremendous uh, growth in revenues, but the, you know, they can never really make any consistent cash flow and drive any earnings to the bottom line. Uh, now the story is they're deleveraging and trying to increase margins, increase profitability. Well, you know, that now you see declining revenues, but they're trying to increase adjusted EBITDA. And it's just that type of business is just not one we want to be involved with over the long term. Perhaps they can massage those margins up and it maybe we take a look back at the name at some point, but uh, we've seen this happen uh, with these type of businesses uh, in the past. Uh, there's a company at the LD Micro 500 again that we watched a presentation on that management actually came from Pivot, curiously. They came from Pivot Technologies called Converge Technologies, I believe. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're in that initial phase right now, borrowing money, levering up the balance sheet, growing. There's tremendous growth in revenues. But uh, if you look at the balance sheet now, they have a significant working capital deficit, um, tremendous growth in revenues. But, you know, there's a accumulated deficit still is very significant in that business already. The revenue growth looks excellent, but the underlying margins are not the greatest. I mean, they say they're going to move them higher and they, you know, it looks like they are moving them higher right now, but they're building up a lot of debt. And they'll have to service that debt over time, and that takes away from profitability. So, you know, you have to monitor these companies. Sometimes it's not good enough to just grow revenues for the sake of growing. You have to grow everything on a per share basis. And uh, if you can't, it's not going to drive the share price well over the long term. And you look at Pivot's performance over the long term. That's what is key here. It has been relatively poor. So uh, we move on to our uh, our listener. We had an ask us anything question kind of on uh, if you could submit some fundamental gold stocks. And if you had any of those, we would uh, take a look at them, group them together, you know, look at them against each other, give you some quick, quick analysis of those companies. Brennan has put together uh, some significant analysis, relatively speaking, for the podcast on these companies. I'm going to let you take that one. Yeah, hopefully I can get through this uh, decently quick so uh, the listeners don't fall asleep. So no, yes, they've was... already fallen asleep. Aaron was talking right before, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know. It might have been with the intro with you. But, they were just uh, resting well, off they've before heard nothing. Brandon segment. Right. Come on, Brandon segment. 
Yeah, yeah, they just they were taking out. the when Ron and I speak, they just take the opportunity to get their rest because they know they're they're just here for Brandon at the end of the day. It's funny before we get to that, I was listening to a post game show on, uh, for the Canucks post game show, and they took a caller late into the night. It was uh, eleven thirty or something, and literally they they go to his line, "What's your question?" and you hear snoring <laughs> like this. It was it was hilarious. They've been playing it all day on the radio. Oh, it's funny, but That's all great. you hear is the guy just snoring, sawing logs. And the guy copped to it later. He phoned in the next day and said, yeah, sorry, I phoned in. And, but uh, yeah, that's the last thing. If we ever went to a caller on this show or something, I don't think you can really call into a podcast. But if you ever had that and they were sawing logs, I don't think it's a good sign. That'd be hilarious. But anyways, yes, yes, let, you I will, take that uh, now, get to it, because now they're on. all asleep for sure. Yes. Yeah, so the, the first thing that I just kind of wanted to address is you know how gold has been on a tear in recent months. Uh, so of course, like Ryan said, we did ask listeners of the podcast and followers of our social media accounts to send in their favorite gold stocks uh, that are showcasing uh, growth at a reasonable price or are looking attractive on a valuation basis. So uh, we had a few come in and we gave them a quick analysis. And uh, again, the first thing that I did want to briefly discuss is just that the price of gold has been on a tear and it's been steadily increasing from about late 2019 where it traded at a around $1,200 US per ounce. And it has recently surpassed its all-time highs uh, made in 2011, now trading at uh, around $1,900 US per ounce. Now, this is just kind of a caveat that I want to throw in here. If you are familiar with Keystone, you will know that we are not very fond of investing in stocks that are reliant on the price of an underlying commodity, as no one truly knows where the price of gold will be uh, tomorrow or even a year from now. As even if management executes perfectly, if the price of gold turns downward, there isn't much you can do. Uh, so during my analysis here, I do want you to keep that in mind. Um, as well, I should mention that we did have a few gold projects that listeners had submitted, but considering these companies, or I guess you, you could just call them projects, do not generate any revenue, they're considered highly speculative and very difficult to analyze. So let's get into my analysis here. So the first two stocks that I'm going to look at and contrast are Premier Gold Mines, uh, PG on the TSX, and Rocks Gold Inc., R-O-X-G on the TSX. Uh, and both of these came in from Ronald via emails. So first looking at Premier Gold Mines, it's currently trading at a price of around $2.62 and has a market cap of $643 million. Uh, this is a Canadian-based gold and silver producer engaged in the exploration, development, and production of gold and silver deposits in Canada, the United States, and Mexico. And they do currently have an interest in six mines in these locations. So looking at the company's financial results, uh, revenue has been decreasing quite steadily with 12 trailing month revenue at 57.5 million, representing a pretty large decrease of 35% from the same 12 trailing month period last year. Now, that is including a sharp decrease of revenue from uh, the last two quarters from a slowdown in the operations uh, from the COVID-19 pandemic. But even if you normalize revenue, uh, we are still seeing a decrease in growth, keeping in mind that over the same period, gold has appreciated substantially. Looking at the net income and cash flow from operations, uh, they do tell a similar story compared to revenue with a net loss of $34.9 million and cash used in operations of $8.3 million. So just on a brief analysis here, we would likely pass on the company as they aren't profitable. So moving on to Rocks Gold Inc., R-O-X-G on the TSX, uh, currently trading at a price of $1.65 and has a market cap of $600 million. 
Uh, so Rocks Gold is a Canadian-based gold mining company with its key asset, the Uramico Gold Mine, located in West Africa, and it is advancing the development and exploration of its Segula, hopefully I said that right, gold project, also located in West Africa. Uh, and the Uramco Gold Mine consists of two high-grade underground uh, gold mines. So looking at the company's financial results, Rocks Gold is a much prettier story than Premier Gold, generating 12 trailing month revenue of 220 million, which represents growth of 44% for the same 12 trailing month period last year. Uh, along with this increase in gold price, uh, which was realized, I did want to note that revenue was positively influenced by the increase in ore being processed, but negatively impacted by the grade of the ore uh, decreasing. So the company is profitable here, coming in with a 12 trailing month net income of 16 million and 12 trailing month cash flow from operations of 110.4 million, both representing solid increases from the same 12 trailing month period last year. And right now the company trades with an enterprise value to cash flow from mining operations of approximately 4.1 times, uh, which is pretty attractive. Uh, as well, the company currently has net cash of 5.3 million on its balance sheet, which is also looking pretty good. So to conclude on these two mining stocks here, if someone wanted exposure to a gold company, I would recommend that you avoid premier gold mines as we've seen their revenue decrease and they just aren't profitable. However, Rocks Gold Inc. might not be that bad of a choice for a gold miner as they've shown a pretty decent growth uh, in revenue. They are trading at a reasonable valuation and maintaining a healthy balance sheet. Now, Moving on here, the next two companies that I'm going to compare are both royalty royalty streaming companies. Uh, the first being Sandstorm Gold Limited, SSL on the TSX. That one came in from JP via email. And the second is Franco Nevada, uh, which came in from Annabelle, Annabelle, and that is FNV on the TSX. So first, Sandstorm Limited Gold, uh, it's currently trading at a price of $11.78 and has a market cap of $2.23 billion. Uh, this company uh, seeks to acquire royalties and other metal purchase agreements from companies that have advanced stage development projects or operating mines. Looking at the financials, revenue for the past uh, trailing 12-month period was $89.9 million, representing an increase of 21% compared to the same TTM period last year. And the company also had 12 trailing month net income of 8.2 million, down slightly from the period last year, but cash flow from operations was up 17% to 57.65 million, which looks pretty good. So they are profitable, which, uh, which is nice to see. And on an enter on an enterprise value to cash flow from operations basis, uh, they were, they're trading at around 29 times, which is higher than the previous companies, which should be expected uh, as it is a royalty streaming company. Additionally, uh, the company has 41 million in net cash, uh, which is attractive. Um, so generally speaking, uh, I do you know, think that the company is uh, decent here. Now moving on, Franco Nevada Corp, another royalty streaming company, uh, FNV on the uh, TSX, currently trading at a price of $194 uh, and has a market cap of $37 billion. And again, they're just a royalty streaming company focused on precious metals. 
as well as um, some revenue from the energy industry. Uh, and the company owns a portfolio of assets uh, coming from projects in Latin America, United States, Canada, Australia, Europe, and Africa. And looking at the company's financial results, they are very, very attractive. Uh, revenue for the last 12 trailing month period were 930 million, showing good growth from the last year of approximately 40%. As uh, well, net income and cash flow from operations also increased drastically for the past TTM period to 210 million and 488 million, respectively, representing an over 40% increase uh, from the past trail trailing uh, period so astonishing growth here for profitability and cash flow and on a valuation basis they are trading at an enterprise value to cash flow uh, from operations multiple of around 40 times which in relation to sandstorm uh, the previous royalty streaming company that i was looking at is higher but this makes sense is franco nevada is a premium company compared to sandstorm and has exhibited excellent growth over the past year uh, and lastly they also have a, a very nice balance sheet with a net cash position of $378.5 million. So to conclude on these royalty streamers, if I was going to purchase any of the gold companies I mentioned today, I would probably choose Franco Nevada or Sandstorm. The growth in revenue and profitability has been very attractive and the cash generation power of these royalty businesses have allowed each to maintain strong balance sheets. Um, any comments, uh, Ryan or Aaron? Well, one thing that that I've noticed in the space is that certainly valuation. I mean, if you're if you're looking, there are a lot of companies out there, you know, junior companies that um, at least you know before gold went on on its tear, that were doing reasonably well from a financial perspective, and the valuations were low. But I think what's important is you really need to look, you dig deep into the business, um, you know, location of their assets, um, how many mines they're operating. Uh, you know, reserves, resources, uh, operating costs, those are all things that need to be factored in. And typically, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're finding a company that doesn't have many issues, then you're, you're definitely, you're paying a, a higher valuation. Yeah, for sure. And for a full analysis of each of these companies, we would have to look into like what their all-in sustaining cash costs are, um, the mine lives of each project they have, the grades that are coming in, the balance sheets, uh, projects under development, whether there's growth with the existing mines or growth has to come on with new mines, all of those things that you'd want to look at, then you're doing the cash flow analysis that Brennan did and see, you know, what the valuations are relative to peers. I mean, f for example, Rocks Gold, we, you know, we, because of where it operates geopolitically, we'd sign, assign a lower multiple to that due to the geopolitical risk. And we'd want to know, uh, what the mine life is, what the growth of the production is. We note that the production was slightly lower in the last quarter versus the same period last year, Q2 of last year. Revenues was obviously higher due to the price of gold, but you want to see production increasing too. I mean, the, it does look intriguing, but you know, in the end with each of these companies as well, um, they'll have to execute well on their growth and cost control initiatives, which is difficult in itself. But the primary factor for their success is the price of gold. And that's beyond their control. If they execute well and gold stays in the same range or moves higher, maybe even comes off 10%, there is potential for growth uh, over last year for sure. Uh, if the opposite occurs, even if they execute well, shares in each company will go down. This is the essence of commodity stock risk from an investor perspective. So that is what we watch with these companies. 
Franco Nevada, the streamers are the royalty companies. One of the only areas that has a significant track record of outperforming over the long term. So we would steer investors potentially that way. Valuations there right now are not cheap. Um, And you can still pick the wrong minds to partner or do your royalties with and not succeed. Uh, But, you know, if you have a great management team and they know what they're doing, Franco Nevada has shown that is one area where you can have potentially a longer term investment. Whereas your typical junior or even mid or larger type producer is really beholden to the price of gold for sure. So hopefully, uh, any other comments, guys, on that, or are we good? No, I think that's a good breakdown of. uh, I think we're good. Uh, Appreciate the comments there. Good job, uh, Brendan. Good good analysis. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good analysis. I hope uh, you know uh, those uh, listeners listeners definitely, definitely appreciate those, and uh, we'll send those out to uh, in little individual snippets on each company as well. I thank all our listeners. Uh, it's a long show this week for listening. I thank you for sending your questions into our Ask Us Anything segment and keep the questions coming into your stock, our take segments. Uh, we will be for our clients. We're reviewing a number of companies this week. Special report due out over the next couple of weeks uh, from the LD500. Uh, and uh, it should be a, have some good insight into some unique companies that are at that event. Uh, everybody out there, as always, I wish you stay safe and profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.